1: This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Ready to pop the question? Welcome, Amina.
0: Hi, thank you. Super excited to be here.
1: We're so excited to have you here with us on CMO Moves Podcast. I'm a huge fan of Thrive, and I am super pumped to have this opportunity to talk to you today. Okay, so before we dig into your current role, I'd like to first sort of take a little bit of a step back and talk about your very impressive history uh, over the course of the 12 years that you spent at Procter & Gamble, where you led brands such as Pantene and Pampers. So let's first just talk about this journey. And, and also, how did your experience at P&G prepare you for this role?
0: Those are all very fantastic questions. So I fortunately or unfortunately started my career in a very uh, traditional uh, marketing background at P&G. Um, I actually started on the very a small brand that you might have heard of called Pantene, which was a pretty incredible experience. And I managed, you know, through the course of my 12 years to work across several other, you know, brands uh, that were big and iconic, whether Wella, Pampers, Crest, and Oral-B. I also worked both globally. So I worked in the Middle East. I worked in in Singapore and in the U.S. Um, And I also, you know, got to look at different aspects um, of the brand, both working upstream in global design, but also working uh, downstream, doing what we call more you know PNL and delivery based roles. So to me, the biggest learning experience was really on the brand, really understanding how to build iconic brands, but also on overall, I would say general management. So really building the sense of accountability, owning results, managing a PL, and because I had a very diverse career, it was also very much centered around understanding people from different geographies, uh, different ethnicities, whether it was the consumer or it was actual employees at the company. And, and you know all of this diverse experience built a very, I would say, foundational part of my career that was rooted in brand, rooted in general management, um, and rooted in baby and beauty, which were... Two of the biggest focal areas that I had built my career around at PG. And so, pivoting to your next question, you know, how did I or why did I shift from, you know, 12 years um, at PG then into the Honest Company? Well, I had an important life moment. Uh, I actually had my son um, in early 2017. And, you know, it was a moment where. I really started rethinking my life goals that I was also using um, as a, as a you know, pregnant woman and then also as a new mom. And then it really got me thinking about products I was putting in, on and around my skin and my body. But it also got me thinking about, you know, are my career goals and my life goals in sync or is there a better way for me to connect those two dots? And it, you know, actually it's interesting, the time I had in maternity leave, I had these big profound questions going in my head And it started to get me to think, you know, where do I want to go next? And what do I want to do with the next 15 years of my career? Am I going to spend another 15 years at P&G and retire there, which would also be a great and successful career? Or am I going to do something, you know, radically different? And that actually, you know, connected the dots for me. And so I could take my baby and beauty experience, but I could also get very deep into learning about a direct-to-consumer business model, learning about building mission from the ground up. Um, really learning about, you know, taking digital to the next level. And so for me, that was probably the boldest, you know, career move I made um, coming out of P&G.
1: We love bold career moves, obviously, here on CMO Moves, and we spend a ton of time talking about them and exploring and unpacking some of the kind of decisions that have led to making these types of moves. But I, I want to kind of go back a little bit, if I if I may, and, and also just unpack a lot of what you just covered. I mean, first of all, and this I think will be interesting to our audience, you know, the time that you spent at Procter & Gamble was obviously formative for you in your career. And actually, we've sort of met and interviewed a lot of executives who started out at sort of some of these like, you know, major global organizations and have since gone on on to join kind of smaller and in some cases more purpose-driven brands or, or at least brands in the kind of sort of the, the the high growth, but sort of you know more direct to consumer um, space. And, and oftentimes the story has been very similar, that the time that you spent at P&G or whether it's Unilever or, or, or some other kind of similar company was almost like for you doing an MBA, right? It, it gave you that kind of formative experience and with, without which you wouldn't have been able to sort of make some of these key decisions. And even Uh, without which you wouldn't have had the confidence to make such a bold move. So talk about that, particularly from the perspective of our audience in terms of the type of advice that you would give to people thinking about starting out in their careers, and then thinking about where they ultimately want to end up in the future.
0: A lot of people exactly like what you say, talk about, you know, P&G being their MBA. So when I was at P&G, I actually had this debate with my boss: Should I go and get an MBA? And he's like, "You're actually getting one right now." <laughs> and um, it turned out to be very, very true because the investment in learning and development that some of these, you know, bigger companies do, it's very hard for small companies to have that infrastructure or to match. I mean, we got learnings on advertising, on marketing, on brand building, on general management at every single stage of your career. So there's, there's definitely an advantage of, you know, having that experience and getting a more well-rounded, I would say, management experience than just a purely marketing or purely digital or one aspect of, of marketing experience. And, and getting that at a local level, but also getting that at a global level, teaches you a lot about scale, a lot about process, a lot about people management, which are all really incredible learning experiences That when you do go and make that shift in a smaller company, you take with you. Now, the key challenge and risk is, you know, you can't make a and g out of these smaller companies, right? So you've got to go in and understand, you know, the vision, the strategy or set that vision and strategy and then really understand what's unique about the culture and the people um, and the processes here and then put in the right fixes at the right level that's going to work at the you know, Thrive Market, that it's uniquely tailored to that place. When you kind of try to just slapstick it you know, in a way that it doesn't get tailored, that can actually be really detrimental. You can actually impact the culture. You can impact the strategy in the wrong ways. You can impact the people in the wrong ways. So that has been an, a really good ground for me to learn, but also has been really important as I've made these career shifts to take what would work and tailor it to that place. The other thing I would say, we talked about making these career shifts and how should people uh, think about it. To me, it, it does go back to, you know, a lot of soul searching on your own self and being honest, you know, with what you think are your strengths or superpowers, what you think is your learning curve and opportunity areas and being really transparent when you make those moves, right? Like I didn't go in and say, I am a, you know, direct to consumer expert here. I went in humbly and said, I want to learn, but then I want to quickly understand how I can help improve it and take it to the next level with a team that has been here for a while. So I think there's, you know, there's importance in doing some self-reflection here to make sure you're clear on your career goals, um, how they sync up to your life goals, your career and your strengths and superpowers. And then when you go in, how you're tailoring all of that to the, um, the culture, the environment and the people to have that impact.
1: I mean, you you talked about the importance of getting a diversity of experience and in particular, not just in terms of working across lots of different brands and different categories, but also in terms of getting experience in different geographies and in different sort of markets uh, and cultures around the world. And to sort of put some emphasis on that point is critical to your growth and, and development as an executive. So there were
0: a lot of things that I would say that you know my career at P&G had gotten me ready and then you also talked on the culture front right and so i think having worked globally and having worked with diverse people it made me instantly come into a smaller environment but feel connected to the team across the company which was which was really important and start building in the you know cultural habits of How do we take this team and build it into a culture of peak performers who are driving results, but also peak performers who love the mission and the brand? And how do we, you know, galvanize all of that together? So they love what they're doing, but they also connect the dots and are really driving to performance and results. And one cultural example I can share is the simple power of a RECO coming from the most junior person, not from the most senior person down but really empowering and creating this radical culture where the junior most people who are closest to the consumer, who have the knowledge and the insights, come with recommendations to the leadership team. And they feel empowered to make recommendations. The leadership team's role is to help guide and navigate that and make sure we're asking the right questions and get those decisions um, in the right place. But that was a huge cultural shift, right? Versus it had been a bit more of a you know, top down culture. And p had taught me the power of, you know, really getting these records from the bottom up. And then last but not least was the power of the consumer is always boss, right? That has been a p big mantra, both culturally and business-wise. Um, and just being super connected, the, the conscious consumer has evolved so much in the past couple of years um, that we had to stay in touch, really embed ourselves uh, with the consumer, make sure qualitatively psychographically, we really understood where this consumer was going. And we were reimagining the future, you know, together. So that was the other big cultural shift.
1: So now you are the CMO of Thrive Market. Talk about Thrive, describe it to our audience in case there are uninitiated people listening. Talk a little bit about your decision to join and what you're focused on uh, in your role as CMO right now.
0: Sure, absolutely. So as CMO of Thrive Market, I oversee all of marketing, um, brand and mission, as well as all of the performance and media side. Thrive Market, I mean, simply put, is an online healthy grocery store that is both you know, mission born and also membership based. The biggest aspect of our membership is for every membership that we sell, we actually give one back to someone in need, whether they're a veteran, a teacher or a first respondent. And so members not only get access to the highest quality and sustainable groceries, but they also are creating this, this concept of access back to someone else in need. And so for us, that has been a really powerful insight that our mission is our brand and our membership enables our mission and they're all interconnected. And so that's a little bit about, you know, what Thrive Market is and a and, uh, high level of my role. The other question you asked is, Why did I take this role on? It's actually absolutely all about all those reasons. The first one, it was really the mission. When I met the founder, Nick Green, I was just already everything I had heard or read about, which was very little, uh, because the marketing they were doing, uh, especially on the, the brand side, was very minimal. But it was a unique brand where actions were speaking so much louder than words, which is very rare to find. And it felt like a very unsung hero. The founders had spent an incredible amount of time to start the brand and the company in the right way and, and really thinking about you know, environmental responsibility, really thinking about sustainability. And so the company had been founded with you know, by being zero waste from day one, always having carbon neutral shipping. We never airship. And you know, building this, what we call the, the world's first climate positive grocery store. So they had already anchored themselves in such a positive mission light. And then on top, they had uncovered this big insight that, you know, a lot of today's family and and modern conscious consumers, we're all doing healthy our own way. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. When I look at my own diet and lifestyle, you know, I'm trying to do low sugar, low carb. My husband is trying to do high protein. My son just wants stuff that's tasty, but we want stuff that's healthy for him. And Thrive understood that whole concept really well. And so when we launched the company, we launched with what we call these, you know, 90 plus unique shop by filters where you get to choose how you want to do healthy, how you want to do sustainability, how you want to shop, whether it's vegan or gluten free or low sugar or even BIPOC or, or sustainability. And the entire site in seconds tailors to your needs. You can't get that at a grocery store. You can't just walk in and, and feel like, okay, I know exactly what I'm getting. You have to look at the label. You have to do your research. We take all of that heavy lifting out. And being a health conscious consumer myself, I I was the consumer. So for me, as a mom, as a wife, as a healthy conscious consumer, thrive connected on so many levels. And so I, I keep going back to like my life goals and my career goals being in sync, I couldn't have found um, a better marriage than Thrive Market to make that a reality. And those were the reasons that made me feel like this was an even bigger calling and bigger action to take. Uh,
1: I I want to spend some time talking about the Food Equality Now campaign, because obviously this is centrally important, I think, to the mission uh, and the purpose behind Thrive Market. But let's just take a step back for a second. So I'm sort of interested to get your perspective on something. You know, as an industry, we talk a lot about purpose, right? But it's, it's an incredibly loaded term. What does purpose mean to you? And in particular, what does it mean to be a purpose-driven leader as well as being at a purpose-driven brand?
0: Yeah, to me, the purpose is the Why? You know, it's as simple as that. I think we tend to overcomplicate it or call it different things that it's not. It's the, why do you exist? What What is your reason for being? And what human or life problem are you really solving, right? And I think the difference between a, a purpose-born brand and a purpose-backed brand is exactly that. You know, I've, I've seen brands when they try to back into a purpose they didn't have their why clear and then they struggled to grow and then they back into okay we need a reason to exist so this is our why and then you know they create that but i think consumers see through that versus a brand or a company that sees their reason for existence as very clear their why is very clear and their inception for being is very clear and i think you know when i look at thrive market the why question was the first question i asked the founders the answer was so clear like we really want to make healthy living easy affordable and accessible because let's face it today it's not and a lot of it you know has to do you know you know to backtrack a little bit off of this question it has to do with your childhood i feel like when you grow up in an environment where you see something missing or lacking it comes back later on to you in life i mean i i grew up in in many countries in about 13 countries many of which were developing markets and you look at the lack of access to healthy food, it is an obvious problem, but it is a massive problem to go and fix. And our founders, you know, like Nick Green in particular and, and Gunnar as well, they came from the Midwest where their parents, their moms really struggled to have that access of healthy food and living. And yet they strived to, to drive that extra hour to get it and spend that extra money to get it. And so later in life, you know, when they came up with this idea, they said, why you know, why is healthy living not democratized? Why is it expensive? Why is it difficult? Why are we capitalizing on this as an industry? And they felt like this has to be changed. This is a very core functional problem. And that became the cornerstone of the why of Thrive Market. And to me, that is what a purpose-born brand is when it's very, very clear and it's ingrained in their soul, uh, not something that you kind of back into later on.
1: Right. And obviously, a great example of what we're talking about here is the Food Equality Now campaign. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, my understanding is um, you pledged about $10 million to help Americans um, who are unable to access healthy food during the kind of the height of the pandemic. Talk about the campaign, how it came about, and the sort of impact that you have achieved through this particular initiative.
0: Yeah, that's that's all very exciting to us. So As you know, core to our DNA is access to healthy living and groceries and food. When we were in the midst of of COVID, we really felt like we've got to put more tangible goals on what we want to, to do here because the big insight that we uncovered is, you know, the pandemic made a trend even worse. There were over, you know, 37 million people who were food insecure, and it turned into an even bigger number. 54 million Americans are now being food insecure. And unfortunately, it is the minority segments that are even more adversely affected. And so what was already a big problem became now a major problem and a pressing problem. And being in the food and grocery industry and space, rather than waiting for someone else to solve it, we said, we need to be a leader here and we need to start solving it now but we need to do it in a measurable, you know, tangible way. And so for us, it was to put the stake in the ground and to really say that we want to raise with our members, which have always been a huge part of our, our mission and journey, $10 million in healthy groceries. And that whole campaign created a lot of momentum. It actually first started internally um, within our own, we call our employees thrivers. So within our thrivers, they got excited our founders got excited so our you know founder actually donated his whole rest of his salary to lead by an example model but all of our thrivers got excited and they started donating and then we really took this idea and said how do we turn it now to our members and created a, a very holistic campaign to our members where we started getting them at checkout to also donate and raise um, the funds and share with them you know the journey and the milestones of this campaign along the journey. So we, every step we would share, this is what we've done. This is where your money's going. Here are the stories, humanizing the impact that we were making. And as a result, we've already raised, you know, four and a half million dollars to date and we will hit 5 million um, by the end of this year. And so I'm incredibly pleased with the, the impact and the reach that we've gotten. It's also turned our Um, team of thrivers you know to be very um, what I would say agile mission activists they look at any opportunity in the market that's happening where people need help in terms of food and healthy food access and they quickly activate it and so a, a micro example of this always on kind of campaign approach is what recently just happened in Louisiana where you know within 24 hours of this you know Tragic event happening with the storms and and Hurricane Ida, our team had already activated a plan. They had already, you know, spoken to baby to baby, already sent healthy groceries, launched it and and got those essentials to those in need and shared that with our members. Like this is what your impact is doing. This is this is where your dollars go. And being able to have that agile, mission-driven team means we can actually have a real-time impact not just a long-term impact but also these real-time impacts and it's this combination of getting both right which actually just really excites me I mean a lot of the times it comes from the team like here's what we want to do and we're literally like let's just go do it and it and it gets done so that is kind of the gist of what we're doing on a a longer-term campaign basis but also to give you a flavor of what we do on a day-to-day basis
1: got it fantastic work it really is Let's uh, switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about Thrive Market's shoppable cookbook, which I understand has been sort of co-created or at the very least inspired by the influencers that you work with. So talk about this particular project.
0: Yes, I'll talk a little bit about the influencers first and then we'll dive into the cookbook. So our influencer uh, marketing team, I am so incredibly proud of them. We have really, you know, we are, we have been built by a team of experts and those were the first believers actually to, to get our brand up and running. Those were the first investors because they understood the concept of Thrive before we had even launched Thrive. And we have, I mean, hundreds and thousands of micro influencers, and then we have what we call our core and hero partner influencers. And they have, you know, really, really embedded the why of Thrive Market to their audiences And we really thought, how do we leverage this arsenal of incredible founders, influencers, chefs, experts, in a way that we can create content that is very useful, but also connected back with commerce and community. And it led to us creating what we call now our world's first healthy shoppable cookbook. So we have over 60 recipes of which more than half are are from these influencers themselves, all of them are instantly shoppable there's a QR code on each of the recipes and you can instantly meal plan for the week and like do your grocery shopping too because you know now what not only what you're eating but also what ingredients you need which you can shop at our site and so for me this is just you know one example of how we want to redefine healthy cooking experience at home which our members have told us is not fun is not easy it's cumbersome And a lot of these recipes, I mean, all of them are less than 30 minutes, but a lot of them are less than 10 minutes. And there are even many that are five minutes. And so for us, it's been like, how do we reimagine the whole cooking, shopping experience at home? And so I'm really pleased with the outcome of that. And then on top of it, we know that, you know, our values and lifestyles are really important. So you can even, you know, choose recipes that are plant-based, that are vegan, that cover your specific lifestyle needs. And so as part of our launch, we are actually going to be giving this is a free gift uh, with purchase for all of our new members who come in. So super excited about this
1: launch coming soon. Fantastic stuff. I very look for I very much look forward to getting my own shoppable cookbooks. Uh, I'm a, a very much uh, a huge fan of convenience, healthy eating, and also shopping as well. So uh, so yeah, excited to get hands on that. What I want to do now is I, I sort of wanna focus the sort of the remaining part of our conversation on you. And in particular, I just want to kind of almost like go back a few steps a little bit. You mentioned, obviously, you're originally from Pakistan. You studied economics at the University of Pennsylvania. You've obviously spent a significant amount of time living in other countries and experiencing different cultures around the world. When you kind of go back and you sort of think about your university experience and and sort of the, the beginnings of your career, did you ever think that you'd become a CMO?
0: You know, that is a, a fantastic question. The easy answer is no. I came out of college. I don't think I knew what I wanted to be. I mean, I, I knew that I loved storytelling. So I actually studied economics, but I also studied classics. Classics was, I would say, more my passion subject than economics. Economics, I was just good at. So there, again, it goes back to strengths versus um, passions and then when i joined p&g in brand management it was almost like predetermined that oh if you're in brand management you should you should become a gm and so i remember writing that down and now when i reflect and and look about look upon that you know years later i'm not even sure at that age i was in my early 20s that i actually knew what a general manager really does and so you know to your question Did I know I'd become CMO? No, because I was still trying to, you know, figure out what were my superpowers, what were my capabilities and and what were my passions. And now when I reflect back on it, you know, my advice is, is, is very different. It's again, it's less about picking a predetermined destination. It's more, it's more about soul searching on yourself, really introspecting. What are you obsessed with? What do you love doing? What are you passionate about? What are your values? What are your superpowers? And also what are your Achilles heels and being honest with yourself. There's some things that I have tried over and over and over again, and I just don't think I'm going to be the best person at it, but there are other things which I naturally gravitate towards and the storytelling, the humanizing, all of those things have naturally come to me and and connecting the dots and thinking about the mission and brand. they, They all just come naturally to me. And so for me now it's less about the title. It's more about the journey it's more about the, the, the life goals and the career goals and really finding that meaningful career path where you're learning, you know, and you're getting to add value, but you're getting to learn. And so each time I've made a career move, I have asked myself, what do I know? But what do I not know? And who am I learning from? And a great example is coming into Thrive Market. I really wanted to get my hands really knee deep in performance marketing. I was not the best performance marketer out there it was never like a un- singular person's decision it was what's best for business are you ready let's make it work and and that's how it happened and so for me that's a big le- learning lesson as well a lot of people get very fixated in titles or or you know predestinations but have you actually added the value and are you actually learning to get to that destination sometimes we forget to ask those questions and have you set expectations with your manager to get getting you there as well those are the important, I think, learning lessons, and and that is what has helped me to get to a CMO in the end. But it definitely wasn't where I where I started, you know, years back.
1: I, I mean, look, it takes a certain amount of humility to admit either to yourself or to those around you uh, the things that you don't know and the things that you still need to learn and understand about whether it's the business or just the kind of broader function of of marketing. I'm, I'm curious to kind of understand a little bit about like the role that mentorship has played uh, over the course of your career and you know here at Adweek we invest a huge amount into building out our own mentorship programs which have been very successful in bringing mentors and mentees together particularly sort of focused on career advancement what role has mentorship played to you both as a mentee and mentor over the years and how has it shaped your career
0: I think the role of mentorship is immensely powerful. And I think sometimes people forget to invest in it. It's so much about how much you're investing and how you build it out. Obviously, early on, I think one of the most you know, powerful mentors I had at PNG g was my first boss, uh, Renas because he taught me everything I know. I mean, I didn't know anything about brand management or Pantene or, or whatnot, or even business management. And I remember going into one of my first meetings just absolutely scared. Like, I have no idea how I'm going to present that we have a you know, business decline and we need a turnaround. And it was one of the toughest meetings. And it was one of my first meetings that I had. And he was both an incredible... Manager, but more importantly, he has been a mentor throughout my career and has always been someone I have kept in touch with, with career moves and changes throughout, even now. So I I feel like the, the role of mentors you need doesn't really, you know, disappear with age or seniority or title or whatnot. And that was a very powerful relationship because it really got me to under really understand my own strengths and also my own opportunity areas. And he was always very transparent with me. Um, later on, actually, the, the the other mentor I had was my last manager at P&G. And he helped me to also make the next big, bold career move and, and really see where I would take my career next. And he always gave me that confidence that he used to call me this, you're a nonlinear thinker. Like you will always think nonlinear, both in business and both in your career, so, go with that. Go with your you know your gut and that nonlinear thinking. and so two very powerful people who have you know shaped my career and shaped my my thinking. Now, when I think back at you know how do you give back, I think it's the same like as we as we get senior and more experienced, it's really about giving that mentorship and guidance back. And so one of the things when I came in at Thrive Market, I noticed that we actually have a pretty large female leadership team, particularly in marketing, but across the company. Yet we didn't really have a network or community to ground them together. And so the CFO and I co-joined forces and said, let's create Women Excelling in Leadership and Learning program for our female leaders and create a mentoring and counsel and advice program. And it was extremely well received. And the timing couldn't have been more perfect because we launched it just before the pandemic. And, you know, during the time of the pandemic, people needed help. Their lives were turned upside down. Their careers were going left and right. Those mentorship sessions, those happy hours, those connects just got people grounded and got them in touch that there is more than just this virtual, you know, kind of Zoom reality that we're all facing in. So it was very timely. And it's something that we continue to do, you know, panel discussions or bring in speakers and, and whatnot. And it has been really helpful for that audience to, to have someone that they can talk to and have those discussions. They may not feel comfortable with their line manager or direct manager to to do, but they have now advice and counsel that they can get from. So my my advice and guidance is super important. The other aspect is you never know who can help connect you to someone else who can help you connect you to your next role. And if you're not... at ad- at actively networking, actively mentoring, people don't know you and they don't know your interests and they don't know your career uh, you know, choices. So it's very hard for you to be connected confidentially or unconfidentially. The, the, when I applied at Honest, there wasn't a role. We kind of co-created a role. And then when the role came about that felt like the right fit, I had already created those relationships. So you know, a lot of people think like, I'm gonna follow the system, do it to the T. And that's fine. You may be perfectly, I've done I've done it that way as well at, at PG, followed all the you know, classic changes and, and whatnot. But sometimes you just need an introduction. And if you have a mentor and you have someone who A knows you, trusts you, has seen the work you've done, it brings a lot of vote of confidence that someone else may not have who is also in the same interview panel as you. And those are the types of softer skills that I encourage people to invest in themselves to to really shine through.
1: I really think it's great advice and in many ways it's we don't spend enough time teaching this to young professionals you know whether it's formally through you know MBA programs or or through those sort of early stages of, of people's careers the idea of building your network and actively and proactively going out and connecting to people as part of growing and, and in some cases deepening your relationships it's so important because it will shape and in many ways define your career and one of the things that I think is often under appreciated is how important it is for you to be proactively helping to connect other people because that's karmic right that stuff comes around throughout your career but carving out the time and being proactive to help figure out who you can bring together and who you can connect to create value is something I think people don't spend enough time or we don't spend enough time talking about the importance of that. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. I mean, in the end, you know, people trust people, right? If if someone tells me, you know, if there are two resumes that are very similar, but somebody tells me I have worked with this person, I know this person, hands down they're the best for this role, it's going to go a long way, right? And so in, in the end, we've got to make time for our, what I call career development, not just internally in your role, but externally creating these networks, creating these mentorships and treating it as part of your learning experience, not something adjacent, but this is, this is going to get you some of those opportunities and get you some of those doors to open that otherwise are very hard to come by.
1: Okay. Last question for you, Amana. If time and money were of no object and you weren't a CMO, what would you be?
0: You know, that's a lovely question. And I have uh, thought always about what I would be. It it does circle back to the start of my career, to what I love doing. So, you know, back to that classics major that I am uh, and huge fan of ancient classics and mythology and storytelling. That's what I would do. I would go back to storytelling. Maybe I live in Greece too. I actually lived in Greece. It's one of the 13 countries I lived in and really just teach the art of storytelling. It can be through business, through marketing, through mission, through brand. Uh, but for me, that's the, that's the core of my DNA. That's the kind of passion I've always had. And if I'm not bringing it in, into my day-to-day job today, um, I would be doing it in my retirement uh, in some place, uh, fun and exciting and just you, know, you know, teaching people the art of storytelling and doing more of that. So that's kind of my full circle.
1: Wonderful. I'm going to pass CMO of Thrive Market. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on CMO Moves.
0: Well, mostly thank you to you for having me. I'm a huge fan of Adweek and huge fan of you Toby. So I'm I'm really pleased that we had this discussion and can talk a little bit about Thrive Market uh, to your audience. So huge thank you to you.
1: Thanks again. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.
0: Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet viral growth Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.